0: I wanted to take this moment to tell you about a program I am in that helps women navigate the journey of realizing their lesbians while in relationships with men. It's a 12-week support program called Coming Out on the Other Side. It is hosted by one of my early podcast guests, Emily Better. Some of the topics include the three stages of coming out later in life, understanding why you didn't figure this out sooner, and why this is so hard. You will go from being scared, confused, lacking confidence, hiding your true self, and feeling alone, guilty, and misunderstood, to overcoming fears, understanding and embracing who you are, being confident in yourself and your decisions, and ultimately being able to come out and live as your authentic self if and when you're ready. Learn more by going to thelatelifelesbian.com. Welcome to the Lesbian Honest Podcast. I am your host, Sarah St. John. And my guest today is the programming coordinator for the Reformation Project. I had actually met her at a Stories and Tunes event for Centerpiece here in Dallas. So please welcome to the show, Katherine Johnson. Thanks for having me. Loved love the story that you told at. That event and wanted you to come on the podcast and share your story, like your background and how you came to realize that you're gay and how to be accepting of that. And that whole story was very interesting.
1: I mean, so that was a very, very long process. There's a, I could tell this story all day. We don't have time for that. It did take me a very long time to realize, to really come to terms with my sexual orientation. I think a lot of that has to do with how important my faith has always been to me. So I've always loved Jesus from the time that I was a very young child. I think God just really got a hold of my heart in a way that utterly captivated me. And so that's always been a really, really important part of who I am and how I understand my place in the world is my relationship with Jesus. So I've always Knows, known that I was different. <laughs> I've always had a really hard time fitting in growing up. It was a, a real struggle for me to to feel like I, I didn't really belong. So I never really fit with the boys or with the girls. I was always a little different gender wise, even though I, I wouldn't have been able to put a nail on that when I was younger. But yeah, in junior high, when your friends start to really get into makeup and hair and clothes and boys, I just could not understand that at all. Could not be less interested in any of those things. And so I just thought I was weird or that something was wrong with me. My friends would have posters in their rooms of boy bands or their celebrity crushes. You know, back then, every girl knew she was going to grow up and marry Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I just did not get that. And actually, I have memories of my friends asking me, like, oh, what boy do you have a crush on? And I would feel this pressure to fit in. So I would just make something up. And so, yeah, I didn't have boy band posters on, on my wall. I actually, when I was in junior high, I had a poster of the periodic table of the elements on my wall <laughs> because I was that much of a nerd but yeah and i i had a hard time fitting in i had a hard time feeling like i had belonging but i was good at school i was smart and i loved jesus so those were the things that sort of became the anchors for my identity and yeah so i was a big nerd and a jesus freak <laughs> which didn't win me a whole lot of friends but that was kind of who i was and yeah so even into young adult years when I actually, you know, met the person who would become the absolute love of my life and had these really strong feelings for her. I didn't I didn't put two and two together. That this means you're not straight. <laughs> Those are more than just really strong best friend feelings. And I think a lot of that has to do with this just really deeply ingrained association in my mind. Between homosexuality and sin. I was a follower of Jesus, deeply committed to living out the teachings of Scripture in my life and something that that the Bible calls an abomination that can't have anything to do with me. You can't be a, a follower of Jesus and be gay. Like that is just not something that was on my radar at all, just because of that, that really deep association. I'm picking up my Bible and I'm looking at, First Corinthians six, nine. And there it is. People, I think, I think the 1984 edition of it says homosexual offenders will not inherit the kingdom of God. And well, I guess you can't argue with that. And that was just the message that I heard over and over and over again. Whatever was
0: different about me was just weird. Yeah. So at what point did you start I guess what was your process like then of going from homosexuality is a sin and an abomination, all this, to where you are now, basically?
1: Yeah, so I mentioned I met Aaron in college. We met in 2004, very quickly became best friends. We became roommates, just fit together really well. And there were even people who kind of spoke things over us, which I I think prophetically that we were meant to have a relationship, that we were meant to do life together, to do ministry together. And so that's what we did. So I I studied ministry in my undergraduate study. So I got a, a BA in Christian ministries with a minor in music. And just started doing all kinds of different types of ministry. So I did youth ministry and missions and children's ministry and worship leading, all kinds of stuff. And I've always done that with (laughs) Erin, so she's always been there, been a big, we got our first apartment together in 2009, and we were doing life together as best friends and as a team, and we both just had this, what we had been taught by scripture was homosexuality is completely off limits, so we're not go there, even though for both of us, there was very much a draw to each other that was more than just best friends, we had to fight that, and it was when I was in seminary that I really started to figure out, I was learning how to do deep exegesis, right? I'm learning Greek and Hebrew, and I'm learning how to dig into the historical context of passages of Scripture and learning how to, to really do good Bible interpretation. And so there were a lot of things that I that, that I really started to dig into. What do what do I really believe about the atonement or, or what do I really believe about women in ministry leadership because that was a a big issue. I'm learning how to do good biblical interpretation and I'm really digging into topics to figure out where I really stand on thing. And yeah, women women in leadership was a big one with the the seminary that I went to. Um, The the room is full of men and most of them don't even think I should be there (laughs) because a lot of them don't think that women should be in leadership in the church. And so I really had to dig into that one and figure out what I believed that scripture teaches. And it started to occur to me that I had not done this kind of work when it comes to the topic of same-sex relationships. I was putting all this effort into really figuring out what I believed theologically and studying scripture. But I hadn't done it with that topic because I had always just assumed all of these messages that had been told to me of this is clear, end of story. We're moving on. So that's when I started to very timidly (laughs) explore a bit and and started reading some books, reading like theological, you know, scholarly journal articles and started to realize wow a lot of biblical scholars are actually on the affirming side of things this is something that i feel like had been hidden from me <laughs> and i i started to come to the realization that we don't have that clarity that i that i had always been told was there and i started to to realize you know when you go back and you actually study the historical context and what was going on? What were the, the predominant forms of, you know, same-sex activity that was going on in the biblical world? And those are the kinds of things that the biblical authors are likely responding to, the, the things that were in front of their faces of heterasty, sex with with prostitutes, with slaves, rape, showing dominance over an army that you had conquered and none of that is anything like the relationship that I have with Aaron it's just not even comparable at all and actually one of the things after i did become affirming and and after my relationship with Aaron then kind of shifted and i started to have to come out to some people who had known us for a long time and had known us as as friends one of the people that I remember this conversation very well. So we were, we were in the car, we were <laughs> traveling somewhere and, and she started, we had come out to her and, and she started asking me some questions like, what do you, what do you do with the Bible? Because doesn't the Bible say this? And so I was like, okay, well, are there any, you know, passages that are you know specifically kind of sticking out to you? And And she mentioned, she quoted from Romans 1. She wasn't sure where it was, but it's like, yep, that's Romans 1. So let's turn there. And I had her open up her Bible. And I said, I want you to read to me that entire chapter. So not just those two little verses, but I want you to read the whole chapter so we can see it in context. And she read it out loud to me. And then I said, where do you see Aaron and I? Where do you see us? in that text and she just laughed out loud <laughs> because she had known us for years she knows our character she knows she knows my love for god and my commitment to follow him and she knows that we are good kind people who you know want to serve god and want to serve other people and and so when you read that text about you know it very clearly talks about people who had turned their backs on god right just utterly rejected god to worship and serve you know created things instead of the creator and then when you get to the end of the of the chapter it lists these just horrific the the sins like these are murderers and they're completely faithless and loveless right and so yeah it was just very very easy for her to look at that and say well this is clearly not talking about you but this is talking about something else So, yeah, those are the kinds of things that I started to realize as I was doing this scripture study. The crazy thing is that this was happening while Aaron and I were both employed at a a very conservative Christian boarding school. And so we kind of came to this realization that we could actually be who we are and we could stop fighting this draw that we have to each other. but. No one could know about it because we would have been fired probably instantly and we would have lost our home. We would have been homeless because we were living on the campus. Mm. So, and we would have lost all of our our community, our jobs, our homes, everything. So we knew (laughs) we couldn't just like be living this lie because that's just so unhealthy to, you know, keep this something so important to you hidden like that. So we needed to find somewhere else to go. And we started looking around. And that's when I I actually got accepted to an, another seminary where I got my master's or my yeah, master's of theology, which is like a a more advanced, like research-based theology degree. So I had gotten accepted there and we were going to move where we're going to go live on campus. And this was uh, an affirming school. So we would be able to to just be us and it would be great. And then COVID happened, (laughs) so they closed on their campus and we kind of got stuck where we were for another two or three years because we we couldn't in good conscience leave the ministry that we were a part of in the middle of all of that cuz it was, you know, it was just a mess for everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then, so I I I did my degree online, finished that. And so then I was looking for somewhere else that we could go. And so then I started looking for ministry jobs. I've I've always just you know, had a call on my life to do some form of ministry. And so I'm wondering, okay, are there any affirming churches out there that are affirming but are also really grounded in scripture because both of those are important to me. And also hiring like for like a teaching pastor or something. And I could not find anything because I didn't I didn't realize how difficult that that would be to find churches that are totally affirming, but also still really grounded in scripture and also happen to be hiring. And so I I was just having such a hard time finding anything. So then I started to ask myself, well What are the organizations that are doing something about this? And I thought of the Reformation Project. And here's the funny, very ironic thing. I knew about the Reformation Project because I had read Matthew Vine's book, God and the Gay Christian. And I had read God and the Gay Christian because it was part of an assignment from my previous seminary, the more conservative seminary. I had to write a position paper, The Bible and Homosexuality. And so part of that assignment was to respond to the arguments of Matthew Vines. Oh, wow. (laughs) And I mean, clearly the assignment was designed to help you think through, okay, here are the arguments those other people are making. And so how do we make a counter argument to that? The biblical view. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So at, and that was around the time that I was doing all this research for myself and figuring out that I think actually there's nothing in the Bible that condemns same-sex relationships that are committed and loving and, you know, fit all of the, the ethical standards that we require of heterosexual relationships. So I had to write a position paper that was not at all what my professor was expecting. And I was terrified, actually, because I had a of 4.0 that I wanted to maintain. Mm-hmm. And so I was really scared that this was going to cause me to fail the assignment or something. But I had to be honest and I had to write this is what this is what I actually believe and this is why. And I ended up getting an A on the paper. Oh. Which I was quite <laughs> shocked about. So I must have done a, a decent job of, of supporting my argument to get a good grade on the paper. But yeah, so that was that was why I had been exposed to Mm. matthew vines (laughs) who is the executive director of the reformation project so when i was looking for for places to work where aaron and i could could leave the environment that we were in go someplace new where we could actually finally be us for the first time i looked at the reformation project website and they were hiring and i applied and matthew called me less than an hour after i submitted my application <laughs> oh wow <laughs> so that just very much felt like this was a god thing yeah um, exactly yeah and so i've i've been working for the reformation project a little over a year now a year and okay. a few months
0: mm-hmm.
1: um and it's been fantastic i love the work that we do so our mission is to advance lgbtq inclusion in the church mm-hmm. which is <laughs> solving the problem that i was running into <laughs> And so our, we are working toward the vision of a global church that honors scripture and fully affirms LGBTQ people, which is a, a very lofty vision, <laughs> but I hill battle. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. But yeah, I get to, I get to do a lot of really great stuff. Meet a lot of really cool people. I oversee our programming. So I, I'm the pro- programming coordinator. So we have, we have programs for parents of LGBTQ kids, programs for pastors who want to help move their church in a more inclusive direction. And we have a leadership development cohort. So that's, it's a 14 week intense training program for people who really want to be advocates for LGBTQ inclusion in the church in their own context. And so we we kind of run them through, here are all of the different arguments for how to interpret scripture and, and, you know, all of these different ways. Here's, you know, kind of the pros and cons of all these different arguments. And we also give them training on how to have productive dialogue with people who disagree. And so I oversee that. And then after people have gone through our leadership development cohort, they have the option of serving as Reformation Project ambassadors. So I also oversee the ambassador program, And so we've got people mostly in the U.S., but also a scattering of a few places around the world where we have local ambassadors that people can connect with. And they're all doing amazing things. Some of them have started parent support groups or Bible studies or meet with pastors or or helping their churches to become affirming or, you know, have LGBTQ Christian meetup groups that go hiking or if, you know, whatever it is, whatever their, their interest and whatever their gifts are, my job is to them figure out what kind of resources and support do you need to do
0: that so that we can empower you to do this well. So,
1: mm.
0: yeah. Do you also oversee and help plan the annual, or I guess it's a buy or every other year, the conference?
1: Yeah. I don't have a huge role in the conference until we get a, a little closer to it. I think I'm I'll have to do more. So one of the things I'm doing part of we have a a pre conference ambassador retreat. So I'm doing a lot of planning for that specifically for our ambassadors so they can come early. We'll do some stuff with them, and then kind of roll into the conference. I'll also be really involved in our the the parents in process program, which is also like a pre conference event that first day where we have parents <laughs> come together who's you know who kids have come out and they don't know what to do they don't know can i affirm my kid and hold on to my faith yes you can <laughs> mm-hmm. i'll be overseeing that so there's there's some things that i do with the conference and i'm sure there'll be a lot more
0: as we get closer so i imagine you'll be going to the conference oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i'm yeah. actually I, thinking i'm thinking about going yeah do you know like about how many people attend
1: i'm not sure it's tricky to have solid numbers because we mm-hmm. it, covid yeah right (laughs) (laughs) i know right now i we have more than 200 signed up um and it's not till october so Mm -hmm. uh, yeah i'm very excited it's going to be great but now that we're partnering with centerpiece we kind of pass it back and forth so they'll do it one year we do it one year and then we promote their conference they promote ours
0: yeah that's what i was um talking with sally interviewing her earlier this week and that's what she had told me too so and for those listening who don't know, Sally Gary, she's the, I guess, founder of Centerpiece, which is based in Dallas. So let's see, the Reformation Project, is that based in Tennessee or? We're in Dallas. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I know you're in Dallas, but no. I didn't know if you worked We're... remotely. No, our offices are, are in Dallas. Started oh, wow. on, started in, in Kansas, I think, but. We're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, interesting. I did not know that. That's very awesome. I think that probably makes partnering with the two Centerpiece and Reformation Project, that probably makes it even easier because oh, I yeah, in Dallas. Yeah. Wow. So I'm kind of curious when you were talking about how you finally came to your affirming view and, you know, and then talked to Erin, what were her, how, how did she respond to that? Was she already affirming and then was just kind of waiting on you? Or was it like you had to kind of go through the process with her and point stuff out? And
1: Yeah, that's actually really interesting because this is one of the other sort of God things, that I think, because looking back on it, it's like God was working on our hearts in different ways and in ways that we both needed. So I'm very cerebral. I'm very like you know, intellectual type of person, I'm a nerd. <laughs> so for me, it was very much about deep study, doing exegesis for her, so her sister had come out and was going to be getting married, and Aaron knew her sister was going to very likely ask her to stand up at the wedding and so that was when Aaron started to to realize, oh, I really need to figure out where I stand on this because I do believe it is this horrific sin to be gay. Does that mean that I can't stand up in my sister's wedding? And so she started to do some research in a, in a very different way. <laughs> so she was, you know, I'm reading theological journals. She's reading like Rachel Held Evans
0: mm-hmm.
1: and coming at it from, you know, more of a relational look at the the ways the church has handled this historically, something is really, really not right. <laughs> We've gotten something wrong about this. And so we were we kind of took our own journeys separately but together because we were also kind of talking and sharing the things that we're learning. And but yeah, it's like God knew what would what would prompt us in those directions and what we would need because yeah, it just really seems like you know God's hand has has been on us from the beginning to put us together and actually I think at the at the Stories and Tunes event I talked about the the moment I met her did I talk about that?
0: I believe yes, you did. Yeah, you
1: did. Yeah, it's so funny. So we were at a I was leading worship at a campfire for like a, it was a Bible study that met on campus and we were having this little campfire worship time. And I was leading worship and she was a freshman. I was a junior in college and, um, she decided to come to our Bible study. And so she came to this worship night and I remember seeing her. And my first thought was, she seems so cool. I want to be friends with her. (laughs) And but she seems way too cool for me. I don't think she would actually want to be friends with a nerd like me. <laughs> and the funny thing is after we've, we've talked about, she remembers that moment too. And she had the exact same thought of, wow, she seems so cool. I want to be friends with her, but I don't think she would be friends with me. <laughs> it's just so funny. But we've been, our, our lives have been kind of intertwined ever since.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's kind of like y'all were both, studying and reading separately and in Mm -hmm. separate ways kind of around the same time and so then when you had the conversation with her she was already kind of at that point I guess yeah yeah okay
1: yeah and it was lots of conversations over a long period of time Mm -hmm.
0: okay very interesting and what does she do I'm just curious
1: well she currently is working at a vet clinic (laughs) (laughs) which is very, very different from what we were doing before. We were working at a a boarding school where we we worked in the girls' dorm. And Mm -hmm. so we were basically stand-in moms for a whole bunch of teen and preteen girls. And that was really, really intense. So she just wanted to do something different, something non-ministry for a while, just because there was not very good (laughs) work-life balance with her old job. So she was feeling a little bit burned out and just wanted to do something different. She gets to get her little puppy fix from (laughs) seeing pets all day, which is which is great. So So
0: y'all don't have any pets then?
1: (laughs) No, not currently. Uh,
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So she she says sometimes, you know, how like people say the best the best birth control is to take care of somebody else's kids. mm -hmm. And she's like, Oh, the best factor for determining that I actually don't want a pet right now is seeing the
0: bills. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I have a pug and yeah, it can be expensive. But and I don't have any kids, but it's like it's not as expensive, obviously, as a kid. So I keep that in mind. (laughs) So then like what was the process like of you kind of coming out to other people? You had mentioned the one friend. Were there issues with family and other friends and church and all of that? Yeah,
1: so that was also a gradual process because like i said where we were we we kind of couldn't tell anybody unless we really trusted them you know that it wasn't going to get back to our employers so we kind of started with a couple of really trusted friends who we knew would be accepting and would be would celebrate us right so we didn't start with the hard ones (laughs) (laughs) and then aaron's sister who's Mm -hmm. also gay so that was easy and Aaron's family. And so we kind of just <laughs> chose very wisely who to come out to when, which we could do because we were, we were so remote. So we were living in Kentucky, deep in the Hills, very not close to our family. So we kind of did that long distance. Yeah. There's a lot of people from our past that we have not like, we haven't felt the need that we needed to like come out to them. And so my family was kind of later on the list because I knew that that would be more difficult, but it actually, when I, when I finally did have a conversation with my mom, which I wanted to have in person. So when we were back in, in Michigan, visiting family, I talked to my mom about how, and she knew that my theology had changed and she knew that I was working for the Reformation Project. And so, I, you know, was kind of revealing things <laughs> gradually. And so I talked to her, I was like, you know, you know that my theology has changed on this, you know, that I believe that, you know, same-sex relationships can be something that are, you know, is blessed by God and blessed by the church. And so now that Aaron and I are no longer in the environment we were in, we want to get married. And so I think my mom handled that surprisingly well, (laughs) better than I, than I thought she would. She actually It's really funny because she she has all of these like traditional things in her head of like, okay so the mother of the bride is supposed to do X, Y, Z and the the groom's family is supposed. And so she's like, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) But we're not we're not planning on having any kind of a a big event because Mm -hmm. we've already been doing life together for so long. It's it's just kind of a well, let's just make it official on paper kind of thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Oh, so that, that's something that's coming, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. And actually, we're it's been taking a while to figure out what to do next because, you know, we don't want to do like a big ceremony, but we also have, we have some kids that we call our kids, even though they're actually not kids, they're, they're young adults now, but former students that have sort of adopted us as their moms. <laughs> and mm-hmm. one of them, she was so excited when we came out to her. Was just yeah she was she was very excited about it, and so she went online and got ordained so that she could be the one to officiate for us. (laughs)
0: Oh, that's so sweet.
1: Yeah, so now we're trying to figure out because she's lives out of state and Mm -hmm. going to school, and and so we're trying to figure out how we can make that work Mm -hmm. because that would be very precious. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So I guess do you have any advice or what would you say to someone? who is either questioning their sexuality or they already know, but they're trying to figure out how to come out or they're trying to reconcile it? I guess just any kind of tips or advice you'd have there.
1: Oh, wow. Well, those are a lot of different questions. Well, true. (laughs) I think, I mean, the number one thing is don't try to do it alone. We need people. We need support. We need community. And so find that wherever you can. And I know some of us are in situations where that doesn't seem possible. You don't know who is a safe person to process with. You don't know who you can talk to. And so if you can't find it in your immediate vicinity, find something online. There's lots of different ways that you can find some support somewhere, someone to start processing with to figure some things out. And yeah, don't do it alone. Because it can be very isolating, especially when you're, you're very much in this Christian world, especially, you know, the more conservative Christian world and you're processing things that you don't know what you're going to lose if you are honest about it. You don't know if you're going to lose your friendships. You don't know if you're going to lose your family, your faith community, the things that are incredibly important to you. And that can be really, really scary you need some community, you need some support.
0: Yeah, I think that's great advice because like with me, my current situation is most of my friends know and some have been okay with it, some haven't. So I've lost a few friends in the process, but I'm mainly concerned about my family who doesn't know. But I think it's been helpful to get involved with Centerpiece and be around other people who have probably gone through similar situations. (laughs) So yeah, in time.
1: Yeah. And that's a, that's a big thing too, is finding other people who are like you and can identify with your story because it can be very easy to just feel like I'm a weirdo and no one understands this, but there are a lot of people with that same story. And so if you can find people who, who understand that can make a big difference.
0: Mm -hmm. Some, well, I appreciate your time today and People can check out the Reformation Project at reformationproject.org. We're on YouTube,
1: Instagram, Facebook, Threads now, yeah. TikTok. Actually, I think we have a TikTok account oh, with, like, okay. I'll, yeah. with like 70 followers. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> it's small, but we got to start somewhere, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you can find us on all of those social media
0: accounts as well. Okay, yeah. And I'll link to the website in the show notes, as well as God and the Gay Christian. That's a Mm -hmm. book I recommend as well. So, well, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your story with us. Yeah, you're welcome. No problem. I invite you to dive deeper into conversations from this podcast. Join our community on Slack. Here, you can connect with fellow listeners, share your thoughts on episodes, and engage in meaningful discussions. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be answered on the podcast. Together, let's build a supportive space and shape the future of the show. Join us at lesbihonest.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.